0: to move, and that you would just bless us in this time. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come up as you give. Oh,
1: that was good good times good times all right man we got some some people in the front row but can I get some people to get a little bit closer if you are in the back back row can you please move into one of these rows in the front go ahead don't be shy please 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 look to your neighbor right now and then just say hi if you don't know them tell them your name Tell them if you have a pet, what kind of pets you may have, what are some things you like about your pets, and what are some things you don't like about your pets. I have a cat. My cat decides to wake up in the middle of the night and do random things in my living room. I don't know. It's weird. It just happens. The life of a cat owner. All right, now that you all know each other well, all right, good, good, good. All right, guys, so we're going to be finishing up our series on disciples. This is this week and next week is going to be the last two uh, sermons that we're actually beginning doing for the whole entire sermon series. So we're finally closing it. It's been a good few months. We've been talking about how to be a disciple, what it means, how to live for Jesus, And we are really excited about all the things that we've talked about, and we've seen a lot of great things happen in people's lives throughout this whole entire time. And so, you know, if you have not yet joined discipleship, if you have not yet gone into the 101, I implore you, I ask of you, please, go ahead, find a 101 leader, a deacon. If you're a deacon in this place, can you please raise your hand? Woo, look at that. We have a whole bunch of them, okay? If they're, you see all these deacons, you can go ahead and you can go talk to them and they'll go ahead and they'll do discipleship of you. It's an awesome thing. You have to be first saved in order for you to get be discipled. You can't just go and say, I want some discipleship. Well, you need Jesus first, okay? You need to first follow him. And then we can do that. All right, guys. But today's sermon is called Flesh and Blood. Obviously, right, we had Jesus here and they were eating him and whatnot. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's actually just look at this next scripture verse real quick. And, okay, so we're going to go to John 6, 26. Let's pray before we get there, right? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the revelation that you've given us of who you are, of uh, what you want us to to follow. How do you want us to follow you, God? We thank you for your word that you have uh, set, set us apart, that you have came, you came to this earth and that you just completely gave everything for us, Lord. You gave your only begotten son to die on a cross for our sins. You gave your life as a ransom for many, God. And so we thank you, God. We want to follow you. We want to be disciples in this house, God. We don't want to just be people that are saying we believe in you. but We want to do something more than that, God. We want to live in an action and step with you, God. And so we desire to go hard after you lord we're not just going soft we're not just being lukewarm but we are going to be extreme we're going to be radicals we're going to be jesus freaks god because that is the only way lord you said uh, in your word that you desire for us to be hot or cold god not lukewarm or in the middle lord so we ask you god that you would give us that revelation you give us the strength that you would break apart everything else in our life that may not be of you god and that we would see you for who you are as our Savior, as our Master, as our Lord, God, as everything that we could ever want and more in you, God. I just pray tonight, God, that there will be more lives changed, more lives set on fire for you in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, so let's go in our Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 26. And I left it like that on purpose. Obviously, it's in PowerPoint, so I could have put in the actual Scripture verse, but I decided not to because I want everybody to get used to open up their Bibles. So John chapter 6, verse 26, and I'm actually reading it different. I don't have the, the table in front of me as I usually do because I got tired of the table being in front of me. You know, it's kind of like weird. Like You have this big table right here. If you guys know what we're talking about, is that thing right there. It feels like it's like right here. It feels like I'm about to drink some coffee and talk to you guys. How are you guys doing today? Well, let's put on some soft jazz as we talk in the youth ministry. Now, we're not doing that, man. We got to be real in this place. Everybody say real. real. All right. All right John chapter 6 verse 26 it says this Jesus replied I tell you the solemn truth you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs but because you ate all the loaves of bread you wanted do not work for the food that disappears but for food that remains to remains to eternal life the food which the son of man will give you for God the Father has put his seal of approval on him so they said to him what must we do to accomplish the deeds God God requires Jesus replied, this is the deed God requires, to believe in the one whom he sent. So they said to him, then what miraculous sign will you perform so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness just as as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the solemn truth. It is not Moses who had given you the bread from heaven, but my father is giving you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, sir, give us this bread all the time. Verse 35 says this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me and still do not believe. Everyone whom the Father gives will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will never send away. Uh, Let's drop down a few verses here to verse 41. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began complaining about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus replied, do not complain about me, to, to one another. No one can come to me unless the Father has sent me. Draws me, uh, draws him, and I will raise him up the last day. It is written written in the prophets, and they will be all taught by God. So right now, this is real simple. Just before we continue on in this, I want to let you guys know what's happening because it might be confusing and all that. Can we actually get some lights on here? It gets really dark in here. Put on these lights right there in that corner and in this back one. What happened was that Jesus was performing miracles. Right, he literally just had a few loaves of bread and a few fishes. And he saw that there was a multitude of people that were hungry. And what he did was he fed them because in the compassion of his heart, he wanted to do that. He often in his ministry, that's what he did. He traveled, he preached, and then a lot of people would follow him. And so when they were following him, sometimes he would have compassion on them. He would feed them. Now, when he had did this, at the nighttime, he decided, I'm I'm bouncing now. I got to go. I got to go into the next place. So he went on a boat. Or I believe he actually he met with the, the disciples through the boat and went to the other side uh, of a lake. When he got to the other side of the lake and then the morning came, everybody woke up and they're like, oh, where's Jesus at? Where is he at? We well, you know, Well, you know, we're really hungry right now, so where is he, he at? So they didn't see them. So they're like, well, let's go over there to the, to the other side. We see that there's not as many boats as there was before, before we went to sleep. So they go to the other side of the lake and they see Jesus. And they're like, "Hey Jesus, so hey, how you doing? You know, like, <laughs> uh, you got any more bread? You know, we're kind of hungry today. You know." And Jesus here, he confronts them. He's not letting them kind of get away with what just happened there. He sees what is really inside their hearts, that they don't really care about him at all. They don't care about the things that he was even preaching to them. All they did care about was the fact that they had their bellies filled with some good lechon, with some good with some good, um, let's see, some pozole, mm, some tamales, some tacos, you know. Macaroni and cheese with some soul food, some collard greens. I like collard greens. It's good. Some bacon. Oh, okay. Some turkey. Some turkey with stuffing and gravy. Oh, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. Sorry. 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 We got off track. We got off track. We got off track. But he, they, he, he knew immediately that this is what they were just wanting. They just wanted more of the fill inside their stomachs. And so he basically said, look, you guys don't even care about this. But what you need to do is you need to really follow God. And they said, well, okay, uh, go ahead. Prove it to me. Prove it it to us that you're God now. Go ahead. And so he doesn't even do that. He says, guess what? I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not going to go ahead and waste my time, show some miraculous sign for you. I already would have done that, but you wouldn't even believe in the first place. So he hits home to the very core of who they are. Now, these Jews, they were the ones that were following him, obviously. The Jews have a history. If you guys remember, back in the day, probably, if you were really young or something, that, like, you've heard of Moses. Moses, and what he did, he was a baby that was in the river, and then the, the Pharaoh's daughter found him. And they're like, oh, look, I got a baby and all that. And so, um, whatchamacallit, so Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household, and eventually he grew up, and he got, um, he, he left that place. He went out and he came back and he tried to save the Jews, the ten plagues and things of that sort. Remember the, the Red Sea parting and all that? That's all about Moses. But what happens after the Red Sea parts? Well, you have the whole entire nation of Israel. You have over a million people or something like that literally now following Moses. And where they were going to was the promised land, the promised land that God had promised them beforehand before they even went to Egypt. And so... They are now going through this desert. It's called the wilderness. And they start to grumble to God. They're like, man, this place stinks. We're literally hot all the time. We're traveling all the time. And it's like, come on. Like, this is not right. Like, why did we leave where we were at? It was so much better. Like, we could have had the grapes, the, the good meats and things of that in Egypt. Why, why what's the point of this? And so what God did was a miraculous sign to the people. What he did was that he provided for the people on a daily basis bread from heaven. But what would happen is that they would go to sleep, and in the morning they would wake up. There would literally be these, like, kind of flakes or something like that, and they would be all over the ground around them. And it was called manna. So it was kind of sweet to the taste. It tasted like, uh, like a wafer, but it had, like, a honey taste to it. And so God provided for them every day. They didn't need anything else. God was showing them, I got your back. So this is what Jesus is talking. He's talking to them, and he said, you know what? You guys had that bread, but you know what happened to the people who ate that bread? They died. It wasn't that big of a deal. They just ate bread. They kind of did what they had to do, and they moved on. But he says, here, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats of me will never go hungry, People who eat of me will never have to deal with that kind of thing. They will have true eternal life. So let's continue reading now. Now we had that context there. Let's go to verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that came, come, uh, it comes down from heaven so that a person may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the, re- the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews who were hostile to Jesus began to argue with one another. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the solemn truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Everybody look at your neighbor and say his flesh, his blood. Okay, just look at them like that. Just don't even explain it. Just, just, Just say those words to them, okay? tell you the solemn truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood resides in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who consumes me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the bread your ancestors ate but later died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. And just just to finish off what happened in this story, verse uh, 59, Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Then many of his disciples, when they heard these things, everybody say disciples, said, this is a difficult saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining about this, he said to them, does this cause you to be offended? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? Imagine now, this is this, what I'm saying to you guys, talking about I have the, fle- the blood of, you know, the, the flesh and blood of life and I have eternal life and you eat me and all this stuff, you'll be, you'll have, for, you'll live forever. He says, does this offend you? Man, if you even really knew where I was before all this, you would even be even more offended. You would be, just be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. So Jesus here lets them know how difficult it is, how hard it is to really, really have eternal life. He says it in such a way, he says, if unless you consume me, you will have no life. Now, obviously, this is not a literal thing where Jesus is like, Hey, come on now. You got to go find my tomb now because everyone might think he's, like, still in the tomb or something. You got to go find me and you got to go chomp on my leg or something like that. Go to the next slide. He is not, you're you're not going to become a zombie now, okay? You're not going to become some person that's randomly like, well, you know, I just, what would you do today at church, honey? Well, you know, I was, I hate Jesus. I hate Jesus good, okay? I drank his blood. I got really full. I got a tummy ache now. That's not what's happening here, okay? It's symbolic. It's really what it is. It's symbolic. So I want to give you guys just six uh, highlights from the passage because we read a lot of that passage, and I want you guys to understand it. So verse 26 says, looking for me not because of the signs but of food. So remember that. They were looking for Jesus not because of who he was. They didn't care about him. They didn't care about uh, the fact that he would be the Savior of all mankind. They didn't care about him that way. They just said, I just want you to give me what I want right now. A lot of times, and even in our culture today, we kind of think about God that way. We don't think about God as a person, the actual being that created us or actually wants to have a relationship with us. Sometimes in our minds, we like to think of God as like that little genie that we can sometimes rub the lamp and then we get, you know, some God in our life then. Oh, you know what? I really, 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 really want that, uh, that the next Xbox now. So God, can you please, please just give my parents some money so that I can get that Xbox? Oh, man, I want that new Call of Duty, you know, God? So can you please, please? Oh, I wish that he would notice me. Notice me, senpai, please, please. Please, God, please just let him, let him, let him notice me. Please. You see? We think of God that way. Rub the lamp, the little genie. God, come on, come on, God. Come on. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. All right, here I am. What do you want now? I don't know. I'm just so I don't know, God. What what can you do today? Well, you know, whatever you want. Just go ahead and just say the wish, and I'll just poof, it'll happen. Okay, God, I want a Lamborghini with three midgets in it, and I want them all to be, be carrying a really big like a helium balloon. And then I want to have the time of my life in Disneyland. Okay, okay, whatever. Obviously, this is crazy, right? No one ever actually believes this, right? No one actually believes that this would happen. But that's how we kind of treat God. We kind of put him in that box and say, God, that's all you are to me. We don't even really get to know who he is. We don't even try to understand him, study him, try to think about our own lives and why he created us for. We kind of just put him there. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. You will never go hungry. This is something that is so profound God is saying here. Look, I satisfy i am unlike anything else that you could possibly have had you will never go hungry like how i used to sustain the the people of israel in the wilderness when they ate manna daily and daily i can give you eternal life you would never have to even worry about it you can be completely dependent on me completely even at that time, they weren't even supposed to store their, their manna. What they were supposed to do was just only have enough for the day. If they stored the manna, they just tried to put it in some jars or something like that, what would happen was that it would spoil. So God was saying, you got to be dependent on me. Verse 51, I am the living bread. This bread is my flesh. So now he's making it very clear now. What is it that Jesus is talking about? What is this bread of life? He's talking about his body. He's talking about his actual body. Now move on to the next uh, thing. This is it right here. Imagine this: what bread is? Now a lot of you guys know that w- we can just substitute the word bread for something else—the food of life—or you can whatever say that. But I want you to think of it. Maybe back in the t- at that times, uh, those times, bread was a big deal. They didn't have all the great things. They didn't have McDonald's. You know, you couldn't just go to the nearest McDonald's in Jerusalem and all stuff, right on your donkey and all stuff. or right, I'll get a Big Mac now. I'll get a Big Mac with, you know, Coke, no ice, please. And then, you know, they they mess up your order, and you're like, why would you mess up my order for, man? I just said no ice. It's not that hard, okay? No, it wasn't like that. They just made bread. A lot of the times it was like this, and also because they were Jewish, they had unleavened bread. So it was really flat. It wasn't like that a lot. Uh, Go to the next thing. But Moving on, verse 57 says this, the one who consumes me lives. So the person who sees Jesus and says, I want to have him, then I will take his flesh, I will do whatever I have to do. The person who is on Jesus saying, I will do whatever I have to do, is to be the one who is living forever, the one who inherits eternal life. Verses 60 to 62, does this offend you? Why was this so offensive? Because he was saying to them, you have no life unless you actually eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no life you can go ahead and try to do the things before back in the day the old traditions the old religions but that's nothing today what you need to do is really receive me now and they were offended at it. They started complaining to each other. They started saying to each other, This guy's crazy. We know who he is his mom and his dad. We understand. Like, this guy's just some guy who just probably got hit in the head too hard now, who's talking really crazy stuff now and all that. We shouldn't even listen to him. But they were offended at him. They complained to one another. And verse 66, let's actually read that part because we stopped there. Go down to verse 66. And if you guys notice this, we don't like to actually talk about, like, numbers, like a big thing in the the Bible and all that. You know, seven, the number of perfection, and uh, 40, the number of days of whatever, and then three, the number of the Trinity and all that stuff. We don't do that in this church. But look right here in John chapter 6, verse 66. After this, many of his disciples, everybody say disciples, quit following him. And did not accompany him any longer. We've been talking about disciples this whole entire series. We've been talking about them, saying what you have to do. We've given you examples of them. We've showed you how radical they were, what they were doing. Some of them were literally healing the sick, raising the dead. They were preaching into towns. They were people that saw Jesus, saw him do miraculous things. It wasn't like some guy that was doing some uh, fake uh, magic and all that stuff. He wasn't even doing magic. He was literally doing things that were changing the natural laws of the world, the natural laws of physics, things of that sort. When he walked on water, he wasn't walking on some glass planks and all stuff no he was walking on water when the storms were coming by and he rebuked them the storms died down because he is God he was controlling those aspects and he was giving power to his disciples but even here right now it says in this scripture verse many disciples because of what he said stopped following him They were offended at Jesus. How dare you talk to us that way, say that you're everything to us. How could you ever say something like that to us? Why would you ever give us such a hard teaching for? Couldn't you just leave us alone? Couldn't you just give us our bread? Couldn't you just be the little genie in our little lamp? Whenever we wanted you, we would just rub you, do a little miracle for us, and then, hey, good, now Jesus, go back over there where we don't need you anymore. Couldn't you just be that? Why are you telling us now that we will not have eternal life unless we actually consume you? Why would you say that? Go to the next scripture verse. I think they're there. Thank you. It says right here basically to sum it all up of what it's saying in that passage Jesus said to them, I must be your very life, I must be your very livelihood. I must be not just. In order, a sequence in your life, top priority. I need to be your whole entire life. I need to be everything. What you think about, what you consume on a daily basis. When you wake up, you say to yourself, "How am I going to now go on this day? It's not going to be what well, you know. I need to you know look at uh, a few different things here. I got to look on Facebook now. I got to get my energy, get my new gossip in, and things of like that. So I got to see what so and so was doing. No, 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 no. It, what he's saying here is that you need to depend on him completely. To the point where you're saying, I am all about God. The Bible says in another place, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from, from God. This is Jesus encountering people, and he's not talking to some random people. He's talking to people he knows very closely. Now imagine you're in that place now. Imagine you're there. Because today this scripture verse is actually even reaching out to you. What God is asking you is, hey, look, I want you to do this. I want you to basically eat my flesh and drink my blood. I want you to kind of think of my, my, my whole body. I want you just to have it. I want you to think about it. I want you to remember what I did on the cross for you, and I want you to live with it every single day of your life. Be consumed by it. Be obsessed with it, saying this is how I live. This is who I am. My identity is in this. I am not just some phony baloney Christian that says I'm going to church and all that, but then I don't live like it. No, the very heart that's beating in my chest is is, is actually screaming, Jesus is Lord. My heart is saying, I love God. I will not deny him. That is what we're talking about. Not some, oh, you know, I like God and I just kind of chill in the back of the church. Or, you know, I kind of just wait for the next hot girl to come and then, you know, I talk to her. And then, you know, once she rejects me, kind of just leave the church then another. No. The person who says, I want him. My life, everything that everything that I could ever account for, want no, I don't want it anymore. I throw it away. I consider myself dead to my old life. I consider it that I repent of my sins. Go to the next. This is not any, any different here. What's happening in the Bible is something that's happened for it's just crazy. Look at John chapter one, verse uh, verse 10. it says this, he was in the world and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to that, to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. You see, it's so funny when you look at it that way. You see, when Jesus was talking to them saying, I am the bread of life. You need to consume me. He wasn't going, he wasn't being some crazy guy, you know, he's like a little like cuckoo in the head. No, he wasn't like that. He was God. He created everything that you can see. He created the most deepest parts of what you can even consider truth inside of your own textbooks. And he created us. And when he was literally on this earth, they didn't recognize him as God. As a matter of fact, what they did was that they did not receive him. Go to the next one. They looked at him and said, you offend me. You offend me, God. You offend me, Jesus, because you think that you're so good. You think that you actually are so worth it. You offend me. But literally what they were doing was saying to the very person who knew them intimately, who knows every little detail about them, they were saying to the one who created them, you offend me my maker. I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't want to consume you. I don't want any part of you. What I want is things that work out for me. What I want is things that will make me feel better about myself, and I don't even have to listen to you and your ways and all that. I don't like you. I don't want anything of you. You see, we go into discipleship. You see, discipleship gets down to the deepest parts of somebody's heart, Discipleship does not stop at when, oh, we say just, hey, l- hey, can you just read this lesson, and can you just please do this, and, oh, you know, can we just uh, go over this, we'll just do that. No, it goes so deep and down to who you are, to the point where you feel like, man, I don't know, man, that's, why, why, why do I have to, am I really dealing with these kinds of things, is I am really that kind of person in my life? Yes, discipleship goes down deep, the reason why is because you are in the bottom of it all. In your heart of hearts, a person there that needs to be touched, a person that really needs to hear the word of God and really need to hear what God is saying. And even though you might have been through the 101 for the last two, uh, two cycles or something like that, or you're thinking, hey, man, I got really on fire and I'm really excited and I really like to preach and all that, and I'm really excited, yeah, you know, even then, this still can offend you. Even then, hearing that Jesus says, "You know what? I, I thank you so much for saying that you want me." But you know, uh, in terms of priority and all stuff, just clear the whole table. Just clear the whole table. Just throw it away. Just say, "I don't. I'm not going to try to now organize my life now around you and all stuff." No, just clear the whole table. That's it. Just do it. Another example. You're driving. And you think, hey, I'm in control of my life now and all that, right? Well, this example, we all kind of say this in this church, is that what you do if you have Jesus in your life is that you stop driving, you pull over, you put it in a park, you get out, you tie yourself up, and then you go in the trunk and Jesus comes and he drives you everywhere that he wants you to go. You're like, that's crazy. That's radical. That's the only way. That's the only way. God says, I want all of you, or I don't want any of you then. If you really want to be discipled, if you really want to be my disciples, then you are going to understand that I want you to consume me. I want you to be obsessed with me. I want you to live, breathe, think, uh, act in every single way about me. That's all it is. Sometimes, you know, when people come to church, and they're like, do you talk about anything else but Jesus? Not really. (laughs) You know, it's all about Jesus in my life. He's kind of everything in my my heart and my mind, you know. Oh, you guys, you're always talking about them It's just always this. Can we just not talk about it? Can we just talk about something else? No. Sorry. If, if it offends you, then obviously you don't understand. Go to the next scripture verse. But. Everybody say but. But. But em. Can I have uh, Stephanie come to the guitar? says here in John chapter 6 verse 67 after that crazy scripture verse where many of his disciples quit following him and did not accompany him any longer says in verse 67 so Jesus said to the 12 you don't want to go away too do you Simon Peter answered him Lord to whom would we go You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus looks at the people that were just with him from the beginning. And at that moment, he's ready to lose it all. He's ready to start over now with another group of disciples. And he looks at them. Remember, this is Jesus. He was fully man as well. His heart was probably broken at that moment. Everyone was leaving him. Forsaking him, saying, I'm whatever, man. You're too much. He looks, he says, What about you guys? Are you gonna leave too? But these guys were different. They were not no phony, baloney Christians that said, I'm just gonna, you know, come and do whatever. I'm just gonna follow Jesus because I want to get filled. I just want Jesus for my own personal gain. No. That you have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? We have come to believe, be convinced of, convicted deeply down to the very parts of who we are. That you are the Holy One of God, that you are the Messiah, that you are our Savior, that you are our Creator, that you love us so much. You have the words of eternal life. You are the God who is pursuing us and was saying to us things that are not to hurt us, that are not to make us feel down about ourselves, but to actually give us real life. Where else would we go? We wouldn't go anywhere else. You can go ahead and offer me a billion dollars, be an apprentice to Donald Trump. I don't care. Go ahead and offer it to me. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go anywhere else. You have eternal life. You have more to me than anything else this world has to offer. You see, real disciples know who Jesus is. Real disciples will go ahead and fall in love with him and say, God, you are so good. When real disciples, when real people are actually hearing what Jesus did for them, they don't just say, oh, I'm going to you know come up here on an altar call, give some half-hearted prayer, and then go home and not even care about what I actually prayed about. No, real people, when they hear about the God who saved them, the God who's speaking eternal words over their life, What do they do? They break inside their very core. They break down in their very core and say, God, who am I that I would ever even be worthy of forgiveness? Who would I be that you could love me so much, that you would send your only son for me, that you would do that for me? God, why? See the thing is, is that even if you've been through the one, one, the two, one, even if you're a deacon or an elder, this still hits home of this God who is saying, "Will you consume me? Will I? Can I be your everything, or can, can I be that, or can I? Or, or are you going to kind of reserve some away? Can you actually say to to, to your people around you that I am living?" off of Jesus, I am actually consuming him on a daily basis where there's nothing else in my life. I don't go and I try to find it from some other fake religion. I don't try to find it from, the, from Islam. I don't go and try to find it from atheism. I don't go and try to find it from anybody else who tries to convince me otherwise. Are you consuming on a daily basis or is now the other things in the world, are they starting to allure you saying, hey, look, Jesus isn't so sweet. Jesus isn't so good. You lose everything for him. Why? What's the point of that? It's not worth it. It's not worth losing your whole entire self just so that you can be right. Forget that. Have so much more and then be just a little wrong. It's not that bad. As a disciple, it's okay. You can follow everything that you're supposed to do, but just have a little bit of sin inside your life. It's not that bad. Just a little bit of pride. It's not that bad. You see, the Bible says it very clearly. Go to the next slide. Psalm chapter 119, verse 9. And everybody can please stand up. I'll just read these out loud. Psalm chapter 119 is actually the longest chapter in the Bible. And we're not going to read the whole thing because it will take a long time, obviously. But... Inside this scripture verse, you're going to see a person who really understands what it means to live for God. It says this, verse 9. How can a young person maintain a pure life? Anybody here young? Do I have any old people in the house? Let me see, where you at? Where you at? You are above the age of 60. Please raise your hand. You're above the age of 60. Okay, yeah, you all wish. How can a young person maintain a pure life? By guarding it according to your instructions. Another version, that says, by living according to your word. With all my heart, I seek you. Do not allow me to stray from your commands. In my heart, I store up your word so that I might not sin against you. You deserve praise, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the regulations you have revealed. I rejoice in the lifestyle prescribed by your rules as if they were riches of all kinds. I will meditate on your precepts and focus on your behavior. I find delight in your statutes. I do not forget your instructions. He's saying, I love that you are real that you actually have standards i love living according to your word i love living according to how you want me to live it's so awesome you're worthy of praise i love i delight in it that's what it looks like that's what it looks like for somebody to actually care about god wanting god wanting more of him psalm chapter one says this just let me get there in a second How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's command. He meditates on his commands day and night. He's like a tree planted by flowing streams. The person who is wanting Jesus will meditate on him day and night. Think about him day and night. Consume his word day and night saying, I am going to have more of this, it is bringing life to my bones, I am not going to forsake it, it's like my soul was thirsty my whole entire life, and now that I found him, I am like a deer panting for water, I want more, and I want more, I'm thirsty, I just ran a marathon in the hottest desert, and I'm thirsty now, can you give me more, God, that's what it's like to finally be with God, to finally have him, you get so hungry, you say, God, can I just have some more of you, God, can I just please follow you, can I do whatever it takes, God. This is the real way. This is what it looks like for somebody to actually get saved, to actually be a disciple, a real disciple that makes disciples, a real disciple that's saying, I will leave it all. I will follow you. That's what it looks like. Total, complete dependence on God. Total, complete dependence on Jesus. This last scripture verse I want to leave to you. John chapter 14, verse 6. And as we say this, I actually want everybody to close, uh, to, to bow their heads, close their eyes. I want the leaders to come up to the front just to get prepared. And I want you right now tonight to hear this, this word. turn off some of these lights now. When his disciples were with Jesus, they followed him, but some of them even didn't even know all the things that Jesus was talking about. They still didn't grasp everything. And they said, can we go where you're going? Can we go to heaven? They said, you know, you, you have me. It's okay, you're, you're good. But they didn't of understand it. So here in John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus replied, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today in this place, I want you to hear what Jesus said. He is saying to you, there is no other way There's no other way to live for God. There's no other way to go for him. There's no other way. You can't go ahead and say, well, I'll make up my own religion. You can't do that. You say, well, I'm going to go ahead and kind of fight the truth that's beating on my heart right now. You can't do that. What the Bible is saying, he is saying it to you today. He's saying, I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. If you want to come to G- if you want to come to the Father, if you want to come to me, you have to follow me now. You have to consume me. Now you have to listen to all I just said and you have to go hard after me with every piece of your body, with every fiber of your being, with every little ounce of your essence, of your soul and your spirit, with every little bit of strength that you have, you have to go after me and follow me 100%. I am the way, the only way I am the truth, the only truth, and I am the life, the only life. Father, we just thank you tonight, God, for this word, God. Oh, Lord, what a hard teaching, God, to hear what we have to do to be able to even have you, God, to be able to even live in you, Lord. Just right now in your own words, just start praying to God before we finish off and we do the altar call. Before we even do that. If your heart right now is beating after this. If you're saying, man, I don't want to live this way. I, don't, I, I want to go hard after God. I'm going to do it. Start praying to God right now. If you're a disciple in this house and you haven't been giving God your everything, I want you right now to repent to God. And I want you to say, I've not been following God. The way that I should have been following, I have been trying to put my own things in front of you, try to do my own way, and God, I'm laying it down now. Oh, Lord, today, God, we're praying for for actual eternities in this place to be altered, God, for things to be changed, God. Even with this... This story, this symbol that what God, what Jesus was talking about, about bread and about the the blood, God, we know that he's talking about just to actually have all of him, to consume him on a daily basis, to be so hungry for him, to be desperate for him. Oh, Lord, we just thank you right now, God. Jesus.
2: a few more moments just by ourselves right
1: now. Just a few more moments, just waiting for God to move. It's not being a hurry tonight. Let's just listen to what God is saying to us. Let Him push. Let Him just go ahead and reveal. Let Him shine His light inside of us, whatever it is. I don't care uh, how long we have to go. I'm just saying right now, this is important. We need to hear what God is saying to us. Let Him reveal the aspects of our life that we're not giving up for Him. Let us re. Let, it, let us uh, listen to what he's saying, his voice and how he's leading us and what to do. Jesus. God, I desire nothing but to have you, God. Everything that we do in this ministry, God, I I teach according to what I, what I hear from you, what I've done, what I've, I've seen in your word, God. Oh, God, we pray. We ask for nothing else, God, but for the thousands of youth in this city that are dying without Jesus, God. God, we ask for the people in this very room tonight, God, who don't even want to hear you, God. We're praying for them, God. We are standing on behalf, God, saying, would you please move in their lives? Would your Holy Spirit be so sharp, so deep? Your your word, God, would travel to the deepest part of who they are, even where all the hurts and all the shields that have been buried along their own lives, God, that it would pierce through the deepest part of who they are, God, and you would reveal your light to them to the very parts, the deepest inner parts of who they are. God, we're asking you tonight for real disciples to be set apart for the rest of their lives, God, so that they would reach glory, God, when they would die, God, that they would see you face to face and hear those beautiful words, well done, my good and faithful servants. We don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. We don't want to be set into that other other side of it. We don't want to be on the opposite spectrum of that, God. We don't want to be on your bad side then. We want to know you, God. We don't want to just be those people that think that we're just going to rub the lamp the one day and then just kind of put you in our box, in a shoebox or something like that, just because we don't need you and we kind of put you as a little memory no, God, we want to be consumed by you, God. We want to consume all of you as well, God. All our lives, all, everything that we have, everything that we own, God. We give it to you, God. We say, Lord, would you have your way? Oh, Lord, God, we see how good you are. That you would save people like us. That you would save the fallen. That you would save the sinner, God. That you would save us who have churned our backs against you, who have spat in your face. You said, I don't want anything with God. God, would you just just please, would you just work in us? Hallelujah. If you just want to come up and you want to receive prayer, uh, come up to one of these leaders right now and they'll pray for you. They'll, come, they'll actually be here and they'll just be praying over you guys. They'll help lead you in a prayer as well. They'll kind of teach you and coach you along with that. But come up right now if you are one of those people that wants to do that. I know, I know a lot of Wonder Wonders in this place who have been dealing with things like this. Let's not be shy. Let's not be timid or afraid. This is all for Jesus right now. This is not for man. This is not for any anything. This is not even for elevate. This is for you and for God. This is for your salvation. This is for your relationship with God. If you have not been saved, come up. If you have been dealing with things in your one on one, come up. If you have been backsliding and you know you should get it right, come up and receive prayer. Come up and then just give it all. Even if there's not a lot of leaders or whatever, I will have more leaders come up. Hallelujah, Lord. Son, don't mama say. Son, don't mama say. Hallelujah, Lord. off in the background.
0: Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus. I believe that there are
1: many more people that are just hesitant to come up. So we're going to wait a few more moments. Build up the courage if you have to. If you're shy, you're really shy. You're saying, well, I don't really need to do that. You know, that's not my kind of, That's not like the kind of way I do things. I'm telling you, today is the day. Today is the day to come up just to receive prayers, nothing to be ashamed of. that God, uh, that he um, had a specific word to share with everybody. And we really believe that he's asking us to respond to him. No matter how hurt you have been, no matter how much you've been hurt by other churches or other people, other other leaders in your life, you've been let down by adults, It does not matter right now. We're talking about God. God says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never do that. When you ask for all of God, He's not going to just give you a little bit of Himself. He's going to give you everything. The Bible says that you will have streams of living water flowing from within you. What that means is that you're always going to have more and more of God. You're going to be constantly refreshed by Him, constantly having more of His presence in your life. Get Lawrence to the, the drums.
0: up yet i'm telling you right now
1: don't waste this opportunity
0: make the jump of faith make the leap of faith
2: don't listen to
1: the doubts in your head that have been saying over and over again oh you know i don't need to i don't need to do that i'm telling you right now don't fight that right now just come up just receive prayer just go ahead say I, i'm just gonna go ahead i'm gonna go and give it a shot There's still time to come up and to receive prayer. If you have not, then we're just going to pray uh, just for this, us to be safe throughout this week. We're going to dismiss right now. So go ahead, Rudy, man, just closing out in prayer.
3: Praise you, holy God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you for being in this place, God, and touching hearts, God, and you're doing a work in us, God. Your power and your love is here, God. And we thank you that you showed up, God, and you're touching hearts, that you're changing lives at these altars, oh, God. And I pray that we would stick with it, God, we would stick to you, and we would always keep our eyes focused on you, O oh Lord. And I pray that we wouldn't just take it lightly what you did for us, God, and, th- and what you're calling us to do, God, to be disciples, God, that we would do it diligently, God, that we would selflessly follow you, God, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would constantly remind us of your goodness, God, that we would never, we would never ignore you, God. And this next week, God, I pray that your, the challenges would turn into testimonies, God. And I pray that your presence would always be with us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody with me said amen. Amen. Come on, give the give Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus.
1: Awesome, you guys are dismissed. If you want to, you can go in the back now. Otherwise, if you want to receive prayers, we'll still have some more leaders up here to so continue to pray. Love you guys.
0: To you, oh Lord, I'm running to you. the bread.
2: but I can hear that you're calling me to be the host
4: That's so.